look at us sitting in downtown Edmonton, Alberta. The Rose City, the city of champions it was once, once known as. Now it's the city where champions are crowned, as they had the Grey Cup, Canada's Super Bowl. I actually enjoyed that game. It was fun. City yesterday, and yes. Well, don't shake your head, totes. It's the greatest thing on earth. It's over 100 years old. How old's your Super Bowl? Not that old. I think they invented football in Canada. I think we did, too, because we have Naismith and basketball. Obviously, we have hockey. Correct. We are hockey, and hockey is us. It's not very good English, but you know what I mean. And I, I think football might be in there as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe a Dalhousie or something is where it was invented. Maple Leafs isn't good English either. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. So it's November 25th, 24 games in. Stars are 12, 10, and 2. Sounds like For 26 points. Stars were 13, 10, and 1 for 27 points last year. And were 9, 9, and 6. Very awkward <laughs> start to the season two years ago for, what, 24 points. So that's where we sit, uh, statistically speaking, and that's, this is where we sit. Uh, it's the true EDM, by the way, totes my goats, uh, the short abbreviated version of Edmonton. And I thought, since we're going to see McDavid, and we just finished seeing Crosby and Nate McKinnon, three rather fabulous young players, and I think they would be on everyone's list or most people's list of uh, the best young players in the game, or the best, try to pick one from the group. We are rather spoiled this fortnight. Is that not? Not that one. Don't shake your head. It's no, not no, no, it's a the prop, video it's game. It's proper English. I like yeah, that. There you go. The Queen's English. So we see all three play live. Which Canadian center is the best player in the game right now? <laughs> uh, I like McDavid myself. Oh, uh, so Do I'm tell. Going, I'm going against the grain. Yeah, I think he, I think he ends up being last on mine. But I'll let you go first. Well, and I love Sidney Crosby, and the fact that he has—I don't want to say reinvented himself, but has gone through whatever difficult times he has had in his career, and then come back and been the best player in the league—probably makes him the best player in the league. You see that note when we were in Pittsburgh? So it was—it was the same date in 2011 maybe, that he had returned from 11 months off to play. The very, uh, he returned from three games off right. when he played against the Stars. Seemed like 11 months. He needed to take four games off. We got into that after the game. But anyway, keep going. Uh, my thing is I love the kids. I don't know why I'm enamored with the youth of this mm. league, and I'm swept up in it. Because you're getting old. And I think that may be it. And, and I like where they're taking the league. They're taking the league to a faster, more – Fun place, and not to say that Sidney Crosby's not fun, but when you watch what McDavid did the other night. Last night. Yeah, just flew through In like a hundred. Like, it's almost like he circled around to beat three more guys. It, it looked like <laughs> giant slalom. Yeah. Like, if you tipped the rink, it would look like you were in Innisbrook or something. Yeah. The uh, And I laughed. I, I was watching it. I had to tweet something out because I just couldn't handle it on my own. <laughs> but the only thing that hampers him is the end of the rink yeah he's going so fast i'm amazed that he doesn't car crash himself at the end of the rink more than he does yeah amazing young athlete there's never been a skater well there's been skaters close because we're going to talk about mckinnon as well uh but he's just his acceleration in traffic is amazing it's spectacular so you have him one 
Who do you have at two? Sid, just because he's Sid. And I really do like Nate McKinnon, too. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those where, oh, look, Bobby Orr or Wayne Gretzky. Well, you don't like Orr? No, well, no, two I different just, positions. I know, but I'm joking. But I'm saying when Isn't you're it interesting, decide, though? Isn't it interesting that all three of the guys that would be on my list, I know there are other guys right. that people would throw in the mix, but for me, as a Canadian, I just think they're the three best players in the game. And I think centers, and we've talked about this before, Correct. always have a better opportunity to impact things at a higher level than wingers. Defensemen, maybe, you can put in that category as well. And goaltending seems to be getting more diminished by the day in this league. But I, I, I look at it, I, I put it this way when I break it down. McDavid is the most exciting player in our game right now. I don't think he's our best player because – there are times within the game that I, I watch him and I'm like, well, other than skating really fast with the puck and uh, you know, whipping around the race, it's so eye-catching. Like, it's yes. candy, right? It's just optical candy to watch him go about his business. Uh, but he's got no one to jam with. It's not his fault. No. It really isn't. But that, that's the old adage that, that the, the secret to superstardom is the rest of the team. And the rest of the team just – there aren't enough of them that can hitch a wagon to him and he can give and go with or – I mean, just look at that group we just watched in right. Denver the other night. Yeah. So I put him in that category. McKinnon, because he doesn't win draws, I mean, he hasn't gotten any better. Everybody yeah. usually gets better. Crosby sucked his first year too on faceoffs. Most kids all, do. All young center icemen. That, that's why they move a lot of them onto the wing for yeah. responsibility and the fact you're never going to start with the puck. He's still in the 30% range. <laughs> you know, he just doesn't get any better. He's got Landeskog to take some face-offs for yeah. him. So there's that, and then obviously there's line synergy with, with uh, Landeskog and Rantanen. And uh, with that, they uh, obviously Mike McDonald thinks they're the greatest line that's ever existed on the <laughs> He's planet. He's been on that on platform quite a bit today. Yeah, but he, uh, he was for a while too. I don't th- and somebody said to me, well, does he just see – let, uh, letting in him and Hall, and I'm like, well, hold it here now. Let McKinnon and him, you could draw some straight lines there, but Mike was a much better face-off guy and all-round player after a while. McKinnon's still pretty young. Uh, but then, what, Landis Cog's Lettinen? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, it's funny about Mike. Rantanen's a good player, though. Yes, he is. Uh, it's funny, Mike, back in the day, I think he used to say Colorado had the best line in hockey, and that was when the Stars were playing them. Are we going to beat them? They've got the best line in hockey. <laughs> Sounds very Mike McDonald-like. <laughs> so then it comes to Crosby, and the reason that I still believe that he is the best player on the planet, there are no weaknesses in his game. There's none. He's as good without the puck as he is with the puck. He's as good a goal scorer. He is a playmaker. Uh, he wins faceoffs. He can win them all over the place. He's good on his forehand. He's good on his backhand. Uh, the amazing thing with him is, unlike McKinnon, they have struggled through the years to find someone yeah. consistently to play with them. They, you know, they finally found someone in Kunitz, but that wasn't really what you would th- – no. Thing and every now and then I know they throw Malkin and him together. But well, that was Mario too back in the day. They would, he would have yeah. He would have the yeah. one time a year thirty goal score, and then the next guy would get move on. Yeah, and he made my buddy new- <laughs> Rob Brown a fifty goal score <laughs> immediately there. So uh, the next batch though of of great young players. If we're still doing this podcast in ten years, which we won't be, uh, I would think that it will be a group of Americans. Interesting. It'll be a bunch of young. Americans that we talk about 
the way we're speaking of these great young Canadians. Creativity. Creativity. Uh, the fact that a lot of the older Canadian players stayed in the States and their offspring are now moving up and through. Some of the best players in our game right now are are young American. You know, a guy like yeah. what's his doodle in, in Chicago is you already hear it. He's 30 now, which right. is crazy that Pat Kane is 30, but you're seeing a bunch of young guys that wanted to be Pat Kane. Well, and, I, and again, I don't live up in Candace. I don't know exactly how they view this, but I do know athletes in America, their parents view spending money on them when they're eight years old or six years old to get top-notch instruction to become very good at whatever it is yeah. they want to do. And so you've seen kids who are coming up who've been taught skating since yeah. they were five years old, and so they're pretty dang fast. Well, that I think the, the, the skating skills – just because that's the direction, obviously, the game is going. Yeah. The Finns, too. Finns, though, are, are – like, the Swedes have almost had their, their moment. They won a bunch of – they were a great world junior team, yeah. and, and they're moving up. In the, It's funny how fast it happens, though, isn't it? That or, they just go from – look at all these great young <laughs> Swedish players. And there's still some. Yeah. We're going to see uh, one in Vancouver at the end of this road trip. Uh, but the Finns, too, like that, that phenomenal world junior team they yep. had – now you're seeing Ranton then is going to end up with – he's chasing 140 points. We haven't had a, anybody close, close to, to that it, since yeah. Mario back in the mid-'90s when he had 160 points. And, you know, again, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with 87 points. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to have that by the All-Star break. If Which the, is good. At the pace, they're going, yes, I agree. And we've talked about yes. this. I've said it ad nauseum. The stat came out today talking about how uh, – whatever it was about fighting – because they, you know, Ron Hexall gets fired. They haven't had a fight. Right. The Flyers, the Flyers, almost a third of the way into the season, nobody has dropped the mitts for the Philadelphia Flyers. The well, then Hextall should be fired bullies. for stuff Maybe. something like that. But they had the statistic about how few fights per game there are in the NHL yeah. now, and it's been trending in that direction for a few years. And my feeling was, you can go in this direction, but the games better not be two to one, and you better not sell me on how great the game is and how fast it is and look at the scoring chances and what have you. The, there has to be offense. Yeah. The, the games have to be 7-6 and 7-5 and 8-4. We need goals. And right now, I, th I think for the most part, we're getting it. We just had that crazy Finn in Winnipeg stash five one night you need we I can't, need I can't more believe he didn't do that against the stars <laughs> like that was the only thing that was missing oh Lonnie gets five well it's got to be against the well, stars <laughs> it was a central division team. Well, yeah same thing but uh it, we need more of that yeah we need we need more five goal games moving on the the elephant in the room if you will as we sit here and do the uh, podcast in Edmonton is Hitch. We're gonna, we broke it a week ago on here. That's right. You can't call him an elephant. I didn't. And he's nowhere near one now. He's, I know, he's trimmed he, down. It's amazing. And whatever so, it's been, five months, six months. He was hired during rinky-dinking uh, a week ago. Where were we? I don't even remember where we were. That's, that's how this opening 25 yeah. games has gone. So twice hired and, and Pittsburgh is where we were. And... Nugget alert. Do, 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 do. do we have any sound effects for nugget alert or anything? Ken Hitchcock, uh, he is the last 
coach to be fired in season by the Dallas Stars. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. Isn't that nuts? That was such a mess. And he had a winning record at the time. And but think of all the coaches. Yeah, of course he had a winning record. Yeah, he always has a winning they record. They usually do. Well, right. it's easy to have a winning record yeah. now, too. But isn't that nuts that the, the last time the Stars made a coaching change in season was Hitch. Yeah. And he's the previous head coach of the Dallas Stars. And he's also the latest head coach to, to supplant a guy that was removed midway through a season. Mike? So you go all the way through after Hitch – it's uh, what is there? What would it be five? Him again, six? Yeah. Coaches, they've always made changes after the season, never in season. My guess is that he'll be back with the stars in a couple of years, probably five, eight years. He'll be coaching the stars again for Hitch 3.0. <laughs> so, what is your level of surprise that he's not that he's coaching the Oilers? Oh, maybe. But well, what's your level I, I of surprise do, I do that he's believe coaching that, again? You know, and knowing Ken, and you know him too. This is the dream job. Uh, I think he would have taken any job probably just because he's Ken. Uh, but to get this job is – You're the only guy I know that calls him Ken. I know. Sorry about that. Uh, but don't you think this is like – I was sad, all right? I, I was sad that it ended that way for him, and I didn't want his career to end that way. So I was hopeful that somehow, some way, he would end up having a job somewhere. And to get this job – and, if, and again, we keep going back to if he can do this. This is like if he yeah. can turn the stars around. If he can turn the Oilers around, holy heck. For, I mean, that would be the perfect end to his career. Well, that's not, why he got hired. Yeah, right. And I'm not talking about a Stanley Cup or anything. I don't know how long he can do this for. But if he can just come in here and get this city excited about hockey, get them winning, get them on the right track. He always talks about that. I build programs. I want to put them in the right place. I want them to do things the right way. Is that way. your Ken Hitchcock yeah, it's imitation? Kind of a, it's kind of a Ken Hitchcock. I think I'm going to apply for Sunday Night Let's Live. not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, but point being is, I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm glad it happened. Uh, I don't know if I thought one way or the other if he would come back, but I'm glad that he is. Yeah, but level of surprise out of five, two. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Really? I mean, well, I guess the reason I guess is because he wanted it. But when you did look at him physically after last season. I probably said that, yeah, he's not going to coach again because it was too much. But, I mean, I don't know how much weight he's lost. 50 pounds in More five that. months? More than that. We'll and have that amazing. on Dallas Stars broadcast oh, tomorrow okay. night. Big numbers. The, uh, the bovine uh, feces, when he said he was going to retire after a year when he was in St. Louis, was a completely different animal than at the end of this one. Um, it was a weird setup and dynamic with the Blues. But he was, I honestly thought at that time that in some ways he was, he was inching closer to, you know what, maybe these young guys just won't listen yeah. and respond to the way I do things. You know how he's wired. I know how he's wired. I've known him since I played for him when I was 17. And as much as he likes to talk about how he's changed, he doesn't, he doesn't no. change. He learns. I, I think he continues to learn. But he doesn't really change that much because he's been so successful. Why would you change right. when you've been that, that successful? Now, watching him last year struggle, because he never gave himself time to, to kind of catch up again. The thing came together relatively quickly after he was let go by St. Louis. All of a sudden, he's in Dallas. And just from a health standpoint, 
watching him last year, I was like, I don't think he can do it again. Yeah. I just, not, he can't traipse around the Western Conference for another season like that. And then he got his act together in the summer and seemed to be almost resigned to the fact that this is what I'm going to do. And one of the things he told me that he really did want to transition into was not so much the so-called senior advisor thing where, you know, you're watching games and then writing notes and then handing it to a general manager or whoever it is. He wanted hands-on with coaches and not just, not just your coaches with your NHL team, but throughout your organization. Yeah. And it seemed like he was, he was sort of trending in that direction. And to his credit, Monty was using him a yep. little bit, has immense respect for him, brought his name up an awful lot. So I was, I was kind of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe that is it. Maybe, maybe he is moving on. And then you, you're reminded in your head that he doesn't do anything other than that. Right. He's got interest. Like the, one of the misnomers I think about Hitch from a lot of people is that he has nothing else, no other interest in his life than that, which is a crock. Right. Because when you talk to him, if you, away from a rink in that, He's pretty well versed in a lot of different subjects, yeah. and it's not just by accident. He thinks he's an expert in all of them, but he's versed in them. Let's say that. So when this thing came up, because it was Edmonton and because of his history with Kevin Lowe and with Wayne Gretzky, with their management here, I was like, I, yeah, I guess. I guess it makes some sense. And them at the end of the rope. As far yeah, as I mean, it's a per perfect fit for them know, because as, but I bet you they were sitting around a room like this and we're just basically hands in the air. Like, what do we do here? Yeah, because like, nothing's mean, working. Are you going to we try that? And we're going to commit to a four or five year contract for a coach. that yeah. we're not sure is going to work. Or yeah. we're just going to bring Hitch in and see if he can fix this. Yeah. I wonder whether I wonder whether the Blues contemplated doing the same thing. I don't think that ever works, though. Do you where when you, they come back? Well, that quickly. Like nah. to spin right around. I will say this: like I know Craig Button. They love him there, though. Like not, like obviously Army and and Hitch have a relationship, but but even the fans in that because they had success, right? And he sort of fits that more yeah, that dynamic blue collar. Yeah. Uh, when Craig Button took over, I think they had just fired Brian Sutter. Is that Here? correct? Yeah. And yeah. no Calgary. Yeah, yeah in, in Calgary. In Calgary, Alberta. Well, it's in the Alberta, but like we talked to him. Like and he went and hired the the AHL coach Greg Gilbert I think, yep. and that didn't work out. And I we talked to him a couple of years later, and he goes, I should have just hired Brian Sutter right back. And he oh said, really? Yeah, he did. He literally said he goes, I looked at everything and I said Brian Sutter's the best coach for this team. And then he's like, Yeah, but they just fired him. <laughs> and he just he, he said I couldn't do it. But I think in that situation, maybe it would have been the right move. Yeah, maybe maybe it'd be interesting. Three of the last four Stars coaches will be on the benches at Rogers Place tomorrow night. Isn't that funny? Glenn Gollison yeah. is Ken Hitchcock's assistant, and of course Monty with us. So, and then we uh, will probably see Willie Deschardins at some point in time too in this uh, extravaganza. Work our way to LA. I think it's two weeks from now. Yeah. So, no, well, oh no, it's Anaheim, right? It'll yeah, we're be, not going to uh, interesting times. I'm I'm so happy for him that he's yes. that he's getting a chance to do this again. Whether it it works or doesn't work, he's doing what he what he loves, and like you said. Hey, if he, go, if he goes out, say it doesn't work, right. and he goes out having gone back to Dallas one more time where really it all began. I know he's assistant in, in Philadelphia, but in Dallas, and then gets the, the chance to coach the organization that he was just 
absolutely enamored with when he was coaching youth hockey here in Sherwood Park. It's kind of a neat another chapter to the book that he says he's never going to write, but somebody will for him anyway. Uh, anyway, coming up, speaking of Calgary and Edmonton, let's talk, uh, let's talk geo rivalries. I like them. Yeah, let's do that after this. So we're back here in Edmonton and doing rinky dinking from a empty ballroom. And it it takes me back to when we used to travel here in the spring for some six times in seven years, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. I, I looked at the only one I could find, I think it, I had it at five and six because they didn't meet one year. Yeah, so they, would that yeah, be five I think and seven? Right. I, well, maybe I got it wrong because 2002 they missed the playoffs and yeah. they came back and played Edmonton the first year they came back. Yeah. But we've so, had a ton well, of playoff series. Think here. about this. The last five playoff series the Stars have been in have been against five different franchises. Tough to develop any race. kind of rivalry because everyone always says that you develop your rivalries in the playoffs. They faced Edmonton four times in five playoff years uh, from 97 to 03. And they were epic. Oh. It was a very, it was a different NHL for one. Right. And forget about uh, geo rivalry. It was a it was a financial rivalry as well. It was two countries. It was two philosophies. It was the haves and the have-nots. Right. Like it was just. And it was war. Yes. And you could even say the fan, take the fans into all this, of the rich, snooty Dallas people versus the hard-working blue-collar. Oh, they blue don't know anything, and, Texas. Oh, come on, hockey. They don't know anything this about it. This is the soul of the sport <laughs> right. up here. And so the fans got into it, too, because they – it was the same thing. It was, you know, it was the United States. What's more American than Dallas? And so then for us to march up here and – and try and take down the uh, beautiful... Do you, remember, do you have any idea what the difference, this disparity was in payroll? Could have been 30 million? Oh, my God. It had to be at least. Stars were at their pinnacle about 84 or something like I that. Thought, I thought, and I could be dead wrong, but I believe the last time they met in the playoffs, there was like a $60 million yeah, difference. Like the Oilers were in barely in the 20s. And the stars were north of 65. And you'd have Kelly Buckberger fighting Darian Hatcher and go, oh, there's a little difference between these two teams. Like it was just, <laughs> but Ryan Smith and Hatch going at one another shift after shift after shift. Guys would get injured, and I mean damaged, and they'd get stitched up on the bench because they didn't want to miss a shift yep. and go back out there Dougie again. White and Bill Guerin going up against the stars. So NBC tried to trump up the rivalry thing on Wednesday nights yep. and they've given up on that. They've gone a different direction because you just, the only rivalry involved in these things a lot of times is the old footage. Right. But we just saw a game between Edmonton and Calgary that went up a notch Yep. and brought up a lot of, or back a bunch of those old memories. And you look through all the rivalries and you ask the question. So you had the battle of Alberta, the battle of Quebec, uh, Rangers Islanders. Those are, was, those are good. Uh, the freeway face-off, I don't know where that is now, but it was building towards something that was pretty special out there in, in California yeah. between the Kings and the Ducks. So you look at the Stars and you're like, okay, well, Stars Oilers and what? Stars Sharks? Like who? 
The, the, is the there natu- a rivalry? Who, the, the natural rivalry. Would, you talk to the fans, Mike Heike. The natural rivalry the would rivalry be Minnesota. Is. Yeah, but how? Because they have to play them in the playoffs. That's the thing. They're in the division. They could play them in the playoffs. They just don't. And so, but the, even the, when they played them, it didn't have anything. Well, to it. the Stars fans are upset because Minnesota didn't want Dallas in the outdoor game, and they want Chicago, and they're wearing the old North Stars uniforms, and we own the North Stars uniforms, and they really don't. But again, Stars fans. They don't like the Minnesota Wild fans. And so that would Good be one. Good on Stars fans. I know. They, they get angry at stuff like but that. But they've got to meet. Yes. That's I mean, the consistently. Key. Correct. And it, it's tough now because even though you meet, if you meet three times in four years, the rosters are almost completely <laughs> well, turned that, yeah, over and that's, by year four. Whereas back then, there were a ton of guys that played every one of those series or yeah. close to it back in the early days. So I bring it up. Hockey in, in Houston – uh, would breed, I think, what the Oilers and Flames have here in Alberta. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the owner of the Rockets, Tillman Fertitta, uh, is is a hockey fan. Yes, as opposed to the previous owner. Yes. Who wanted nothing to do with oh hockey. Oh, my God. Didn't just not like hockey. He detested it. So with Tillman, uh, who I think I think his history is like uh, restaurants, he's a billionaire, uh, Morton's and yeah. and um, Good Mastro's and yeah, a bunch of those places. I think that was his gig. But he's a hockey guy and to some end. He paid two point three billion, I think, for the Rockets, and uh, I think it's going to happen. Wow, I do. I really. So Seattle's in, right? So that's thirty two. I, I somehow I think a team ends up in in Houston. That would be great. I really do. Yeah. And it's funny because all you have to do is watch the Mavericks in San Antonio. And, again, both of those are really good teams. So what do we call it? The I-45? Yeah. How about the Texas shootout? 45. Colt 45. I like that. And get them a cowboy hat that they wear if they went. Oh, wait, they already have that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think, I think that's going to happen. Uh, but it'll be interesting that with all the times that Ken Hitchcock has coached the Stars against the Oilers tomorrow night, it'll be flipped around the other way. And as much as you can have a rivalry game within an 82-game schedule, tomorrow night here in Edmonton sniffs out as potentially one of those. Yeah, we're only 25 games into this. These guys, like we were talking to Tyler Sagan today, I mean, like he's telling fresh stories about what Hitch was doing to him, you know, last spring and how, you know, he really respected Hitch and respected his – Devin Shore talked about the preparation and and all of the things that Hitch did that was great. Like the players here in one year gained a great amount of respect for Ken Hitchcock. And so, yes, I think they want to go in there tomorrow (laughs) and beat the heck out of him. (laughs) And some are happy that he's coaching the Edmonton Oilers. And that's the case – one. At every stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's uh, move on to probably the most consistent and uh, certainly the most productive of Dallas Stars in the first 24 games this season. We'll talk about him in Tom Holy's Pacaganda. Again, Tom is not with us on the road. As the Browns have become a better football team, Tom Holy, the VP of Stars Communications, has turned uh, a blind eye, turned away really, ignored, if you will, the Dallas Stars. He's a two-time Dillman uh, winner, 
resting on his loyal, uh, laurels, enjoying uh, Baker Mayfield, and paying very little attention. So It's hard to be hungry when you're full. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> he has uh, once again texted his, his uh, propaganda to us. It's pretty good. Let's, let's have a listen. I'll just read. Cold. Alexander Radulov is quietly having one of the most productive seasons in Stars history. Through 14 games, comma, he has 20 points. That puts him on pace for 103 points despite missing 10 games to injury. If he keeps that pace, it would put him tied for fourth in franchise history, matching Dino Cicerelli's 103 points in 86-87. Not only that, Mike Heike, no player in Dallas Stars history has hit the century mark as Mike Madonna's 93 points in team's first year in the Metroplex is the high water mark. Here are the four 100-plus point seasons in franchise history. Are you ready? I'm ready. You'll probably toss a drum roll into this if I could produce as I'm... Uh, well, you don't have to do it on the table, totes. You can do it. You can find a drum roll. Can you not? Yes, thank you. Bobby Smith. Would you want, should I go uh, top to bottom or bottom to top? Bottom to top. You always, you always you crescendo. Always to okay, well, he did it the other way around. Oh, okay. Come well. on, Tom. So, uh, Cicerelli, or Chicarelli, if you will, 103 points, 86-87, as I just said. Uh, Neil Broughton, who has his number seven, retired by the franchise, 105 points in 85-86. Once again, the great Dino Cicerelli. 106 points in 1981-82. Do you have your Dino Thor from back in the days? No, I don't. <laughs> I had no... Uh, no. I, Madonna, you know, I gave up a, a hat trick to Madonna. Oh, did you? Or no, to uh, Dave Gagne. Okay. To Dave Gagne, who's not on this list. Yeah. But Madonna got one on me, I think, that night. Uh, Bobby Smith, 114 points in 81-82 is the, the top end. So, I mean, he, he, could fit, he could fit in the mix. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and, and I mean, when you watch him, that's the most interesting thing. Is, I mean, well, I think it's the most interesting thing to Alexander Radulov, well, too, like our it, points. We were, we were watching uh, practice today, and he was just, he was hilarious. Just, he's, very, he's always working on his offensive game. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> most of what he works on involves the puck. Yeah. Let's put it that him way. Him and Hudobin would like, like, here's they're having a meeting over in the sideboards, and him and Hudobin are <laughs> practicing shots on each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, pretty good little nugget, though. That's right. And, and you know what's funny about him is when we went to Montreal, he is a controversial player. And if he doesn't treat the media right or he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that, then, you know, people get mad at him. And, you know, same thing in Nashville, I think. He, he you know, left a trail of tears there at the same time. But, boy, when he's going, it's just amazing to watch. And, and it's unfettered he's, energy. I, I don't know what the uh, equal is in Russia. It's not borscht or anything like that, but you know the old adage about sausage. If you like sausage. I do. You think it's delicious. It is. You probably shouldn't watch it get made. Mm. And I think his, his game is a little bit that way too. You know, all the other stuff around, maybe just ignore because what the, the sausage that he provides is cutting board, curated, delicious. He'd be good in the NBA. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. We're talking practice. He'd be, be, be top-notch in the NBA. <laughs> Toast McGoats is up next.
with some uh, millennial musing. Totally. Totes my goats. Cool. Oh, my goatsy. He's got his cans off. He's ready to roll. What do you have for us this week? Well, happy to be here in EDM. I wanted to talk a little bit about the modern athlete and the potential myth of the challenge of back-to-backs. Because stars are playing two back-to-backs this week. We just came off one, Dallas and Denver, and we're about to play one, Edmonton, Calgary. And a lot of people like to blow up the fact that the second night of a back-to-back is a major challenge, talking about travel, lack of rest, in Denver's case, altitude. Being with the team, traveling, seeing how well they have it in terms of lodging, supplements, schedule. Do you think the second night of a back-to-back challenge is sometimes overblown? Totsi, it's Sonic Hooey is what it is. Okay, it's balderdash. Last year, the Stars in second games to back-to-backs, I think we're 5-3-3. Three, and three. So, you know, it's, most of them are on the road. Right. I think almost all of yeah. them last year were on the road, maybe one at home. And even that one, probably the other team played the night before too. And one of those games, they beat the Avalanche seven. They pumped them seven to two in Colorado in Mile High Air. The, the I drill it down even farther or further, whichever one is appropriate, to just the goaltenders. I am flabbergasted and bewildered as to why most teams feel that they can't play their number one goaltender two nights in a row. I just I'm stunned by it. And I know they have analytics in that that would back up that their save percentage drops by this and this happens over here. But when you, when you look at how, if you want to say, they're coddled, like nowadays you play the game at home, okay? There's a, th- a gazillion trainers running around, and if you need an IV, there's an IV available, not that they need it very often. Somebody massages your legs out after. There are, there's food in the room. They can put liquids back into you. Whatever you need is done there. Then they travel to the airport where they have to walk upwards of (laughs) maybe 100 yards. Tops. To walk onto a chartered 767 aircraft with thick blankets and puffy pillows, food laid out throughout the aircraft, first-class seats all the way back. Three choices of meals as you travel to this next destination. You land, you walk 14 feet onto a bus that drives you down to a five-star hotel. From the five-star hotel, you get your own room because you're a goaltender. They almost all get their own rooms now, but even back in the day, the goalie got his own room because we're special. Right. So you try to get a night's sleep. You know, you you might have got in at one. You could have slept on the plane if you wanted to do that. The next day, you don't practice. So all you have to do is really get yourself up. If you need any kind of massages or anything like that, they're all available the next day. Go to the rink. There's food there. There's been food at the hotel. They fed you again that day. You sleep again in the afternoon. You have your, your daily nap. You go to the rink. You warm up, and then you try to play the game again. I, I, I don't understand how daunting, how that <laughs> is daunting to the modern player at that position, why they can't. Now, I'm a moron because I don't have the, the analytics right. that they have that, stay, that says, 
Well, you can do that. You can play your number one guy, but you're better off playing your backup or your other guy in that second game, which is just stunning to me. Well, because most of the players, 95% of the players that played the night before and skated up and down and crashed into one another are expected to play. Yep. You might have only faced 25 shots that night, and you can't go again the next night? <laughs> you know who the real heroes in back-to-backs are? It's the broadcasters and the media. Yeah, we got it tough. As now now the, you're being smarmy. Now the, the real heroes are the equipment guys and the trainers. Oh, my God, by like, a gazillion the, factor, yes. Because, like, they go to bed at 4 in the morning and then get up at 6 in the morning so that they can be at the rink to take care of All everything. You, you've probably learned this yeah. from traveling with us for a while now. You can tell the people who actually work by who goes to sleep on the plane. So you look at the front. And those coaches, they bang out whatever they need to on their laptops. And then those eyes, they're staring at eyelids. Yeah. Their seats are back, and they're getting a power nap. And you look over to the uh, equipment guys, and they are out. out. The medical guys, not so much. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> you know, they're, they'll fall asleep too, depending on how things are going in, in that direction. But, but the guys who, who are dealing with the equipment and that are out. And they wor- nobody works harder. At every level, on every team, at that position, I agree. Those are the real heroes of back-to-backs. Now, uh, Totes, you saw some things in college uh, at Denver University today that says that the uh, young athlete is being coddled. Is that what you contend? Yeah, the other reason this is timely is we toured the University of Denver uh, hockey facility today. They just renovated their locker rooms. Unbelievable. I walked through there with uh, Monty, Tyler Sagan, Jason Spezza, and Sagan remarked that he should have gone to college after seeing this. It's yeah, things to- aren't working out well <laughs> for him. I mean, Damn, if he did only pick that fork in the road. We're talking uh, NHL caliber hot tubs, cold tubs, film room, player lounge, connected to a kitchen yeah. with a meal room. It's pretty unbelievable. And I think Monty was a little bit jealous that they didn't have that facility when he was there. But it was incredible to see. But he built it. Is that right. what he was taking credit for? That's exactly. I'm reminded of Jay Billis's great line every time – uh, something goes on, a coach gets fired in the NCAA in football or something, and the payout is $36 million. <laughs> and he sends out the exact same tweet over and over again. If only they had enough money to pay the players. <laughs> if only there was some money. If only they had the money. It's a good point. They spend. They have to spend some money, so they right. spend it on facilities and coaches. Yeah. In collegiate athletics, yeah, they ain't, they ain't spending it on the players. I can tell you, it's going down to high schools too, because I've seen I've seen those too. It's not well. Uh, look, it's not that much better in junior hockey. Like those guys that bang around on buses in in major junior hockey, pretty much make what I made yeah. thirty five years ago when I was doing it. Like they don't they don't have to pay them, and they don't have to pay for their uh, after a certain amount of time if they don't use their scholar money, uh, scholarship money. Um, that they're all entitled to going in, it goes away. Yeah, they no, just, it's, it's tough. It's, it's slave labor. It really is. Indentured servitude. That's for and, a whole nother podcast. <laughs> 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 all right, moving on. Moving on. That's all I have for you. Well, here, this you can still chime in on this one because this is your world. Okay. okay? So before we get into the, the finality of this one this week, so as a, as a 25-year-old and – you know, you guys have pretty nice facilities where you went to school too. Yeah, yeah. But, when you, but when you look, when you look at that, and you were at that place today for hockey, where 
really, hockey's the premier sport at that school. Yes. Club sport or uh, right. team sport, right? right? You look at that, you think what? Incredible. Yeah. I wish, yeah, I wish I was a collegiate athlete. Yeah. Um, if I was a hockey player, I'd go there. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Top But notch. that is the thing. You have to recruit guys, and you have to get them to go there. And yeah. to do that, you have to give them – that's why – The only thing you don't have to do – Is pay them. Is pay them. <laughs> also, how about their hockey team getting the main yes! sheet, sheet of ice in the <laughs> NHL club? I was, unbel- <laughs> I was stunned by that. I said to Jim Nill, we're over there watching together the skate, and I was just like, this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. Mark Crawford had us in the other rink. Remember right. when we practiced – Way back when Mark Crawford was coaching the team, we practiced in the big rink when we had to practice at DU. We walk in there today, nope. and I was like, they were on the ice, right? And, and I'm walking in, I'm going, oh, well, we'll go on right after them. And, and Stretch points down the hallway, and our boys are already on over there. It was, I mean, it's not even, if, if that's their B sheet, it's a D most other places, and not yep. Denver D. <laughs> Like, do they ever clean the puck marks off the glass in that place? No, they don't have television. You could almost no. not see through it. It's the original boards. There was no seating. He was, it was weak. I hope he got some grief. I think he did. Yeah, I think the he play, did. The players were asking as they were going he half, had to, what, halfway around he the had arena to have been just disappointed. to walk. Yes. They're saying, you don't have more pole here? Well, he did leave. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done for us lately? That's right. All right, finish on this. Cyber Monday. We're, we're doing this on Cyber Monday. Today? Yes. Uh, other than slow internet speeds and the odd deal, uh, your favorite NHL hockey site, since we're talking about going online, would be? This is, I thought about this, and I'm going like, I think it's DallasStars.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. You're, are you contractually obligated to say that? No, no. Or is this, uh, this is the funny preservation? thing about the whole process of coming over here. Yeah. Is that I see. You didn't say that it was last year. When no, no, I, I didn't. No, no, it was the morning on. news. Uh, when you see how easy it is for fans to access that site on their phone, where it's not easy for. Dallas Morning News or The Athletic or whatever, like the amount of information they get, the amount of razor they get, the amount of facts from Mark Stepneski they get, all for free, right on your phone, press a button, boom, zing. It's really easy to keep up with the team through this thing. And again, I don't want to, you know, just... Okay, I do want to uh, just pump up my own website here, but it real like I'm impressed with the work that is done there, and it's not oh, website. When is MikeHaka.com coming out? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Or, the, it pretty much. Or is, is it Haka still? Uh, it's two K's. Yeah. It's Finnish spelling. You were in Finland. You would know by now. That- okay, let me. Yeah, true. Uh, Kitos. <laughs> uh, outside of DallasStars.com, very quickly, which which one do you go to the most? Um, I, it's you fun. don't go anywhere else? You're no, too I, busy writing? I do, but well, I go... you are one big suck-up on this I one. go to NHL.com, and everybody hates it. I actually like it, because you can dice up stats pretty easily with their little... On what? Pulled on NHL.com. Oh, like, you go to their stat page, and you can find out what the power play is. You can find out what... Do you even have the segments. internet? Okay, I really do. NHL.com and DallasStars.com there you go. are Mike Heike's two go-to sites for National Hockey League information. Don't see? Bookmark it. Um... <laughs> I would also say DallasStars.com. Oh, phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal video content. I quit. Phenomenal writing. Uh, after that, TSN, really good. And that's probably it. Why do you like TSNs? Just like the we- layout of the website and the video elements. Let's see. Now, that's why I don't like TSNs anymore. He's a video anymore. guy. Why is that? I used to, it used to be my go-to. I thought it, it was the best. 
I thought by leaps and bounds, Still. hockey site, yeah. they pivoted to video and they lost me. It's a good thing. Well, for you, they picked you're us 25, up. <laughs> you're a friggin' millennial. <laughs> we tuned in. You don't know how, do you even know how to read? No, you just say somebody has to talk at you. My God, the YouTube generation. And what about you, Daryl? Yeah, so what's yours? Uh, DallasStars.com. You know what? I agree wholeheartedly with what you say. The one I use the most is uh, uh, hockey-resource. Yeah. I I, I just, I use it all all the time, just for my own little stuff. And it's, it's a great resource to find some stuff. But if you're just looking for information on a team nowadays, I, why would you go try to go to any uh, – I'm sorry, you're out of the business That's now. Fine. I guess I can say it. You, you don't go to somebody's n- news site and that anymore. You, you can't find stuff. or you, It's cumbersome. You just bang. You, you go one team after another. The NHL has made it very easy to get to those. You go to our site. I've, I'll challenge anybody to find better information – uh, and a little bit of entertainment yeah. mixed in there because that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to adhere to ice, information, continuity, and entertainment. And with that, we'll be back with some of those things again next week on Rinky Dinking. For Jeff Totes, a vi- uh, the void of Tom Holy, or ghost of, uh, Baker Mayfield lover, and the great Mike Haka. I'm Daryl Ray. We'll talk to you next week.